Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with Traders Point Church of Christ. I'm here with our evangelist Jeremy Bard. And we're going to be studying through Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. Hebrews 10 is probably a pretty well-known passage, and there are certainly verses within this chapter that I know a lot of you will be familiar with. We're going to try and study our way through uh, the majority of Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. It's a very, very important passage and chapter to the overall theme of the book of Hebrews. And it's one that any Christian should spend time studying uh, to gain a deeper understanding of, of not just the relationship between the old law and the new law, but really Christ's role in all of that for us as a Christian and then our response to that. So as we get started, we'll just start at the beginning of, of Hebrews chapter 10. But Jeremy, maybe set the stage for us just a little bit. Obviously, this is towards the end of the letter to the Hebrews here. Uh, but as we get into chapter 10, what is the primary theme that's going to lead us to some pretty significant conclusions that the author wants us to get here through chapter 10? Yeah, I think there's a lot. There's a couple of things that seemingly happen a lot through the first, you know, nine chapters, and it will include chapter 10 as kind of the conclusion of, you know, where the writer is working his way mm-hmm. up to. And there's a couple of things that really seem to happen. I think for a good Bible student and then a broad sweeping application for the brethren there and for all of us. You have there in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 1, you know, the law having a, a shadow of the good things to come. And you have you have that word that's interesting that's used, you know, you have that word shadow, which really starts to help us, you know, pin to the importance of the old law mm-hmm. and and how it pointed to Christ and how there are types and shadows of, of Christ and, and his law and his work and his mm-hmm. ministry and his sacrifice, what's that's what chapter 10 is a lot about. So you're able to draw those parallels in a lot of ways as you're going through the book. But ultimately, the book itself, from the very beginning to certainly right here, is setting the standard that Jesus is superior. I mean, he is superior in every way. To these brethren, I think, who may have been struggling with you know, uh, all in with Christ or hanging on to at least a little bit of the old law, mm-hmm. hanging on to a little bit of Judaism. I mean, the writer is is pulling that away from them completely to let them to under, to understand that there's no use in holding. It's had a purpose. It served its purpose. And ultimately, Christ is far away superior to anything that was in place before. And so that is kind of lifted up and almost culminated specifically towards the uh, Sacrifices right here in Hebrews chapter ten. And there, there seemed to be a, a pretty significant misunderstanding in the first century that that Christ wasn't somehow anti old law; right. that he was he was just constantly in opposition to the old law in some way. And what the Hebrew writer here is pointing out, and what, what Christ himself even pointed out, was that that's not the case at all. In fact, the old law served a very important purpose. And Paul writes about that. Jesus talked about that. Here in the, the letter to the Hebrews, it's described as the shadow of things to come. And that's exactly what it was. it was. It was preparing mankind for the Savior to come and for the new law that was going to come with him. It served a very important purpose. And, and that's really, as, as we go through chapter 10, we're going to see that, that not only did it serve a purpose, but in a lot of ways, it helps us better understand 
the sacrifice that Christ made. Without the instructions and the examples of sacrifice in the old law, it would be very difficult for us to comprehend what Christ's sacrifice did for us as, as Christians today. And so that, that old law served a very important purpose, not just for the first century Jews, uh, but it also served a really important purpose for us because we can now look back on it, see it as the shadow that it was intended to be, and recognize now the great blessings that we have through Christ that, as you pointed out, far exceed the blessings that were made available in, under the old law. And so th this passage of Scripture in particular here in Hebrews chapter 10 where it talks about sacrifices and then it talks specifically about the sacrifice that Christ makes. As you get to the end of chapter 10, what that's really doing is because of the sacrifice that Christ made, now look what's available to you. Right. And, and that's really where he's going with all of this. But without that old law, without that backdrop of, of what used to be, that understanding would have been lacking, would have been really difficult for them to grasp. Yeah, and, and you're exactly right. You go through the very, you know, from the beginning of the book of Hebrews, and I mean, you're right, you're right on it. it. It gives us that backdrop and understanding, certainly for the Jews, but, but even for us, because we have the Old Testament. And so we can study about people like Moses, who's talked about and revered and lifted up uh, in, you know, in the Old Testament. And, and Moses comes up. You, you have things like the tabernacle brought up, even the, mm -hmm. the covenant itself and the law itself in sacrifices here in chapter 10. You have all of these things coming up. And, and so because you have some level of understanding about what those things were all about, what those things did, what those things represented, maybe mm -hmm. is a better way to, to say. So now the Hebrew writer builds on those things and elevates those things, Jesus. Jesus elevates everything. Yeah. And that's, you know, every single point. You know, Moses is something, but man, Jesus is really something. The tabernacle was something, but Jesus, he really brings something. The old covenant was something, but the covenant that comes with being in Christ really elevates. And that's here with the sacrifices. The sacrifices were something, mm -hmm. and they were something vitally important. But Jesus' sacrifice is just on a completely different level as that. And so to have some of that understanding helps us see the superiority of Jesus. And we get to see through the old law and then fast forwarding to, to the sacrifice of Christ, we get to see the problem that has plagued mankind from the beginning, and that is sin mm. and needing a solution to that problem. And, and what the Hebrew writer is pointing out here is that the the old law offered you a shadow of what that solution is going to be ultimately. Right. The the bulls and goats that you sacrificed under the old law, they weren't the solution. Right. They <laughs> couldn't take away the sins. The problem still existed. And so while it was a foreshadow of what is to come, it wasn't the solution that mankind needed. But when Christ came onto the scene, as the Son of God, living a perfect life and making Himself that sacrifice, He brought with Him the solution to the problem that has plagued mankind from the beginning of time. And so it's only through Christ in the old law that we now have access to the solution to the problem that we've been searching for for all of this time. And that's, that's the beauty of, of seeing the whole pit plan of the Bible 
uh, unfold before us from the old law to the new law, we get to see that problem, how it was talked about, how it was, was looked at, how it was dealt with under the old law. And then fast forward to Christ, we actually get the solution to that problem. And that's the beauty of, of, of this particular chapter because it's, it's kind of taking us on a very, very brief synopsis mm. of that journey, recognizing that the problem has always been there, that there have been other things along the way that have been pointing towards what is ultimately the solution in the sacrifice of Christ. Yeah, in a lot of ways. I mean, that that's what your entire Bible is about. I mean, you have the problem of sin, which, you know, creeps on the scene at the very, very beginning. And then really from that point, I mean, literally in the first pages mm-hmm. of, your, of your Bibles, you have the solution to that problem beginning to be unveiled. Mm-hmm. And, and the old law was an important component to that. And mm-hmm. you made the point already, Jesus in no way was anti-old law or was you know in any way saying that, listen, the old law was a mistake that was made by God and now we've got it figured out mm-hmm. you know, with what I'm going to do. I mean, and n- none of that. It was all a part of the plan to get us to the solution in the best possible way. And now the solution, Jesus brings the absolute solution for sin, and and that is the culmination of really everything in the Old Testament is bringing us to the solution. I mean, that's, you know, in essence, the promises that are made to Abraham there in Mm -hmm. Genesis chapter 12, that it'll be through his seed every nation of the earth will be blessed. Well, that is the solution to man's greatest problem, and man's greatest problem is sin. The old law dealt with sin in its way, but it was in every way short of the absolute solution mm-hmm. that Jesus brings. Yeah, and it, he talks about that in, in chapter 10, where he looks forward to the day in which they can be made perfect. That's what he says the old law couldn't do there at the beginning of, uh, of chapter 10. He, they were trying year by year to make those who approach perfect, but he, they recognized that it couldn't do it through the blood of bulls and goats. And then as you go on and you get into chapter or verses 11 and following, what we see there is that really what the old law did is it served as a reminder of sin. It didn't take away the sins. It served as a reminder of sin because you had to continually offer these sacrifices over and over and over again. But when Christ came, that doesn't have to happen anymore. Because through him, those sins can be taken away completely. He's not, he, he doesn't serve as a reminder of our sin. He now serves as the forgiver of our sin, the one who can remove our sin. And so there's this big transition that has taken place from the sacrifice of the old to the, to the sacrifice of the new in Christ. One reminded us of sin. One gave us the opportunity to forget about it because it's gone. And that, that's the beauty of what Christ has done. We, we don't have to live our lives sacrifice to sacrifice, constantly be reminded of all the bad things that we've done. We can now live a life in which we can find forgiveness of those things through Christ's sacrifice, and we can put them away because the slate's been wiped clean. That's the beauty of, of this sacrifice. And one of the, the messages as you go through the book of Hebrews to these first century Hebrews who were struggling with still being pulled back into Judaism in some ways, one of the big messages is, why would you ever want to go back to that? Why would you ever want to go back to being constantly reminded of your sin when you now have the opportunity to have the slate wiped clean under Christ? Yeah, there's a great you know parallel here in Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 11 and 12 You know of those two things. You made mention there in verse 11 of chapter 10 where it says that every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But verse 12, but this man, that's Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. And I really 
like that verse, especially there in verse 12, where you get that picture that you have the parallel of these priests that are daily, I mean daily, all the time offering these sacrifices repeatedly over and over and over. And you have Jesus that he offers one sacrifice and after that he sits down. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that picture we have, when, when the work is done, yeah. we sit down. I mean, you know, that's yep. usually what takes place. You work during the day and when your work is over, you get to sit down. And that's what Jesus has done here. He, mm-hmm. He's, he's offered that sacrifice and that's it. There's yeah. no more sacrifices to be offered. He did it once, he did it for all man, and now he is seated at the right hand of God. And you really, in those two verses, have that incredible parallel between not the ultimate solution in the Old Testament, because over and over and over, daily, every year, and now to the solution in Jesus, where he offers a sacrifice once, it's done, it's over, he's made that available to man, and now he's seated at the right hand of God. Yeah, and as, as the chapter goes on there, when you get down into verse uh, 19, I, I love how there's this clear transition that takes place, really, from the first half of chapter 10 to the second half of chapter 10, where it seems as if the first half has been talking about the superiority of Jesus' sacrifice, uh, his relationship to the old law, understanding exactly who Christ is and what he has done by coming and making that ultimate sacrifice. And then in verse 19, you get that therefore. Right. It's, it's understand all of this about Christ. Now, what are you going to do with all of that? And that's really what verse 19 and following is, is, the, is really putting you on the spot. What are you going to do with this now? Now that there is no reason not to understand who Christ is, what he did, how he was superior to the old law, the grace that's made available to you through him, now what? What are you going to do with it? And that, that's really the, the challenge that I think he's placing before these first century Hebrews and before us as well, is when you understand what Christ did for us, by dying on the cross, being raised from the dead, we truly understand what is made available to us through that. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. And that, that's really like you can almost see the, the author kind of pinning this, looking at the people he's about to you know, give this to. And you're like, I'm going to put you on the spot with this one because now you've got to make a decision. Uh, because if you've, been, if you've been drawn back into the ways of Judaism and now you come to have a clear understanding of who Christ is, what are you going to do with that? Yeah. And that's what really the second half of chapter 10 is. It's, somebody described it to me one time as, as a pivot point in the book of Hebrews where it's previously been all about making the case for Christ. Mm-hmm. And then he transitions to the point in which now what are you going to do now that you understand who Christ was, who Christ is? And that, that really seems to take place here in chapter 10. And so that, that's a really important part of, of understanding, I, I think anyway, the, this chapter here in Hebrews is recognizing where that pivot point is and now putting yourself in that situation where you're now going to have to answer to an understanding of who Christ is. Yeah, it's ultimately working its way up to what Jesus has done. I mean, and that's what chapter 10 is all about. And what he, what he has done is he's brought about reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And that ultimately is, is the byproduct of the problem that we've talked about already. You know, the problem, a man's greatest problem is sin. There's no question about that. But the biggest byproduct of that is separation from God. I mean, you know, Isaiah talks about that directly, that, listen, sin separates us from God. And, you know, you see that at the very beginning with Adam and Eve as they are... uh, 
kicked out of the garden, certainly there where God was, where they had that close, reconciled relationship, but now they're out of there. And now because of sin, all of it has been working up to, you're right, right here in verse 19 of chapter 10, that because of Jesus, because of that blood that was spilt, because we can come in contact with that blood through baptism, that's the parallel that Paul will draw in Romans chapter 6, all of that has brought us to verse 19, now that we can have boldness to Mm -hmm. enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. And that is the very picture of reconciliation with God. It is the very picture of coming to where God is. And that ultimately is what we want. I mean, that's what we're looking for. We want sin to be gone. Certainly we do. But we want sin to be gone because it brings us into a relationship with God. That's the ultimate goal, is having a relationship with God. Can we have that with sin? We can't. How do we get rid of sin? The blood of Jesus Mm -hmm. gets rid of sin. And when that happens, now we can have have that relationship. And that's that's ultimately what Jesus has done. And you're exactly right. When you get into 20, really through 25, you have that therefore, now that this is available, now that you can have a relationship with God, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to hold on to your past? You know, application for us? Are we going to try to hold on to the world in some way? Mm-hmm. Or are we willing to forfeit everything and cling closely to God? And that's ultimately what the Hebrew writer is pushing us towards. I, I love how you, you mentioned there that a, a lot of what this is all about is the opportunity to have that relationship yeah. with Christ. And that's really, you get these three let us statements mm-hmm. uh, here in this next section of chapter 10. And, and the first two are really all about that. Yeah. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. It's this idea that because of Christ and his sacrifice, because of the door that that's opened for us, now we have the opportunity to draw near with a true heart. Now we have the opportunity to hold fast that confession. We, we have that opportunity to have the relationship with Christ that once wasn't available when we were in sin. But now, because the sins can be wiped away, because we can be made holy again, then we have the opportunity to have that relationship with Christ that we were created to have, that He wants to have with us. We need to recognize what He's done for us, and we need to draw near to Him. We need to hold fast to our faith and our confession. Those need to become vitally important to us because we recognize what He has done to make that available. Right. Because without his sacrifice, there's no opportunity for me to do this. Right. But because of what he's done, he's now made these things available to me. I need to take that seriously and recognize the great opportunity that's been put in front of me. Yeah, you know, you, you, you see God's wisdom and God's willingness to help man out mm-hmm. right here. Because, you know, you made the point earlier in verse 19, it really is that pivot point of the now what. Now that I, I have an understanding of what Jesus has done, what am I to do with that? And, you know, we can see back and and try to contemplate that and brood over that, but we don't have to Mm -hmm. because God gives us what we we should be doing. And you have it right there in those three, you know, kind of let us statements that you have. And and it it is that, you know, that picture there at the very beginning of, listen, because of what Jesus has done, let us draw near uh, in full, with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Because our hearts are sprinkled, you know, from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. 
longer. Now we can draw near. Now we can have that relationship with God. You know, in the past, under the old law, nobody is crossing over the veil in the holiest of places. Nobody ever would do that. You know, my guess is... Even the high priest on that one day a year was pretty shaky walking, you know, walking into there. Even though yeah. he knew he was the one that could be in there, but it's a place no one ever goes. Mm-hmm. And, and so now God is made available because of Jesus. And so we've got to, we are, we're in a position to draw near. And then certainly there in 23, again, hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. I use the New King James, and that's a, a phrase that I love, that we can, <laughs> we can hold fast to our hope without wavering because God, who promised all of the blessings that come from that relationship, is a faithful, he, he, he tells the truth. That's the, you know, it's now pointing to God's faithfulness. That doesn't happen very often, Mm -hmm. but it's interesting here in verse 23 where God's faithfulness, he's the one that's talked about as being faithful. And those first two let us's, if that's even, (laughs) you know, whatever that word is, it, it is in every way about our relationship with God and what and the spiritual blessings that come from it. Yeah, and there's so much there's so much comfort to be found in what you were just talking there about how that that second one ends with pointing to the faithfulness of God and his promise. There, there's so much comfort that can be found in that because really we we find ourselves in the mess of sin yeah. because we weren't faithful. We, we broke our end of the promise. We messed it up. And, and because of that, God would have had every right to just wipe us out and say, well, you messed up, and now you know, you're out of luck. But that, that's not the God that created us. That's not the God that we serve. He's a God of love, and, and he is going to remain faithful on his end, regardless of what we do. He's going to remain faithful. And as a result of that, he's given us an opportunity to come back to him, to be forgiven of those sins, to have them wiped away. He has remained faithful. And there's so much comfort to be found in that because you know, so, so often, I mean, I, I can just feel so weak and so inadequate. And, and, and what I have to remember is that it's, it's not me. I, I'm not the one that that's, I'm relying on for my salvation. It's God. He is the one who can take my sins away. He is the one who offered the sacrifice on my behalf. It's his faithfulness that I'm relying upon, not my own. And there's so much comfort that can be found in that as a Christian today, knowing that, man, I I serve a God who, who wants me to be forgiven, who wants me to be in heaven with him one day, and he's going to uphold his end of the bargain. Right. Always and forever. That will forever be true. And there's just so much comfort that, that I find in a passage like that. Yeah, there's no question about it. And you, you have, as we get a little bit deeper into it, at, you know, that third led us, where now it starts to look outward just mm-hmm. a little bit, where he says, you know, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So, you know, we often will cite maybe, you know, chapter 10, verse 25 is a passage that a lot of people are familiar with, the not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. And we'll often, we'll use that passage to talk about the importance of assembling together. And it is important. Mm-hmm. And it's something that God wants. It's something that God demands of, of us to be together as his church, to meet together uh, on the first day of the week, as made mention throughout the New Testament. But we often, we lose sight 
afraid of verse 24 sometimes, which is even a part of that sentence. And it is really that, that third let us, that it is let us consider one another. That, yeah, when we assemble together, it, it is about God. There's no question about that. He is there, and we worship and praise Him. But it's also about everybody else that's there. I mean, that's, that's the picture of the church that's yeah. given to us in the New Testament. I mean, the Apostle Paul in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, when he you know, the, uses the, the picture of the body, well, he does that because we're all connected together and we need each other. Mm-hmm. And so this is one of the ways that we can do that, that we can, yeah. we can stir each other up to be able to draw near, to be able to hold fast. We do that by being together, by assembling together, by worshiping together. And, and all of that is important, just as important as the first two mm-hmm. things that we have given to us here in 23 and 20, or 22 and 23. You're so right. I think sometimes we can get so caught up in this, this idea that, well, you know, I, I was at church on Sunday. I, I was there. You know, I, I fulfilled what I needed to do. Uh, you know, I held up my end of the bargain, so to speak. Yeah. But but really, when you look at this, yes, it's important to be there. That that is important. But it's only important to be there so that you can stir up love and good works, so that you can consider one another. It's only important to be there if you're fulfilling what the purpose of worship is. And the purpose of worship is is twofold. It's it's to do those things for each other, and it's to worship God. And so, no, being in your pew on Sunday morning doesn't mean anything unless you're fulfilling the purpose of worship, which is to be there for one another as brothers and sisters and to worship God. If you're not going to do that, stay home. You know, I mean, but there's so much there's so much more to worship, I think, sometimes. Than, than what we see right. because oftentimes what we come in and, and it's a social gathering or or it's really just I'm making sure they check my name off of the list or whatever it is. But really when we stop and think about it in the context of what's being talked about here in Hebrews chapter 10, it's so vital that we're there for one another. Right. It's so vital that we build each other up and we encourage each other, we correct each other, and we worship together our Lord. That's what worship is all about. It really is not about being present when you're supposed to be there. It goes so much deeper than that. Yeah, and, and you know, listen, in, in order for us to stir one another up, we've got to be present, mm-hmm. but that being present isn't the end game. No. It, it, it's, not a, it, it's not, you know, checking the list as you may made mention of. The idea is to consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. That is the that is the component that we need to be interested in. And so what we have here and, and given to us are these things that are remember are built off of what Jesus has done for yeah, us. That's right. And because Jesus has done these things for us, we're now pushed in this way. And it is, as we made mention, it's it's as important of drawing near. It's as important of holding fast. We've got to consider one another. And all of those things are laid out. And I know we're not going to have time probably to get through the rest of chapter 10. But really, beginning there in verse 26, I mean, there, there is a, there, there's a scary scene that unfolds. Mm-hmm. For if you have an understanding of everything, and I think you can go back to Hebrews chapter 1, and you have an understanding of Jesus and who he is and and what he has said and what he has done, and you still are pushing him aside, 
Oh man, that is a bad deal. And yeah. and God is the one who's going to bring vengeance. He, he is the one who's going to bring down. And so you have that, you know, if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. There's nothing else to be done for you. Everything has been done for you. And if you're going to push that away, there's nothing else coming yeah. because the best and the most perfect of everything has already taken mm-hmm. place. And, and so... It is a scary scene that unfolds if we get to this point in the book of Hebrews and we're still saying, Jesus, meh. <laughs> I mean, that is a bad, bad deal that's unfolding here at the end of chapter 10. Yeah, because to your point, if, if, if you're looking at it from the perspective of these first century Hebrews, you know, what, what are you going to do? Go back to the animal sacrifices? I mean, we've already <laughs> talked about how those aren't going to work. You know, th- those aren't, those aren't uh, forgiving sins. And so what, what are you going to do if you're going to turn your back on the one sacrifice that was made that can truly forgive you of your sins? To your point, wh- where are you going to go? You know, wh- what are you going to do? Because yeah. the truth of the matter is, is that you're just going to live and die with the problem of sin still ruling your life. That's the, that's the fact of the matter, because this is the only sacrifice that has ever been made that can truly forgive our sins. And if you're going to turn your back on that, even after the undeniable case that the first nine chapters of Hebrews made about Christ and His superiority in all ways, if you're still going to deny that, then yes, there is nothing else that can be done for you. There, there is no sacrifice for you to turn to. There are no other options for you to turn to. You have now made your decision that you are fine living and dying in your sins. And that's just the sad reality that the, that's, the, that's the case for the individual who's going to turn their back on Christ's sacrifice. Yeah, and if you're not willing to leave the world and follow Christ, I mean, verse 29 basically says that this is what you've done, that, you know, he says, you know, how much worse a punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy for the one who has trampled the Son of God underfoot. That's ultimately what you've done. You've come to that understanding of who Jesus is, and you've said, I don't need that, or it's not important enough, or whatever the case may be. Or he gets to the end of that verse, and he says, you know, that you've made that blood of that's been spilt there a common thing. And the book of Hebrews, the whole book is about how uncommon that's right. you know, his sacrifice is. And then you get to you know, that, you know, that verse of verse 30 that I made mention of a moment ago, where it talks about God, that God's the one who says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And then in verse 31, you almost have the Hebrew writer reminding all of us, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Yep. He's like, don't, don't go, don't go in that way. Yeah. Don't go in that path. And then, you know, you have the conclusion there to chapter 10 to, listen, don't cast away your confidence. Yeah. Don't give those things away. Uh, endure, you know, there in verse 36. And that really opens the door yeah. for the incredible chapter in chapter 11 of, of examples of people who have done just that. Yeah. Well, that's a good place to, to stop this morning. Our, our time's about out on us. So we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. We want to thank you all for uh, taking some time. To, to study through Hebrews 10 uh, with us. This is a really important chapter. Hopefully it's one that, that you'll continue to, to study and meditate on uh, on your own as well. Thank you for taking the time to study with us. If you're interested in coming to worship with us, we meet uh, at 9 a.m. for Bible class on Sunday mornings, followed by worship at 10 a.m. 
and again at 6 p.m. on Sunday evenings. And we're located at 82nd and Lafayette Road on the northwest side of Indianapolis. We'd love to have you come and join us. You can also follow along with our services at traderspointchurch.org. Uh, we link the the live feed there as well as our Facebook page. So please uh, follow along, study with us, and grow with us as, as we try and be more like Christ each day. Thank you again for your time. We'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.